0: Hey everyone, this is Matthew Beers. Welcome to Forecast Roundtable. Today we're going to be discussing the 2020 Global Defense Spending Annual Snapshot. This is the first of a four-part series. First, we'll be speaking with Derek Bassaccio. He's the analyst for Eurasia, Africa, and the Middle East. Second, we'll be speaking with Sean McDougal. Sean McDougall is the analyst for North America. That's the United States and Canada. Then we'll be speaking with Dan Darling. He's the European and Asian senior analyst. And lastly, but not least, we will be speaking with Tom Dolezal, who is the South American analyst. Here we have Derek Passaccio. He'll be speaking on Eurasia, the Middle East, and Africa. So uh, Derek, we'll start with Eurasia. How heavily does Russia influence the trend of defense spending in Eurasia?
1: Very heavily. So we use uh, the term Eurasia to refer to, we include the former Soviet Union, and then we've also included Afghanistan and Pakistan in that. And so the uh, Russian defense spending takes up about two thirds or even more of what the total, that total area's defense spending is. And then even more... even more so if you disinclude Pakistan, which has a budget of about ten billion or so. Right. Um, so if you don't include that, Russia takes up you know about three fourths or so of the of the Eurasian region.
0: Right. And and when we, when we talk about Russian expenditures in terms of their dollar value versus U.S. dollar value, there there's something tricky in there for people to know, right?
1: Right. Right. So what we've seen in the past six years or so, as commodity prices, especially energy prices, as they've tanked. And as uh, the Russian economy has come under Western sanctions, the value of the yeah. of the Russian currency has dipped pretty significantly. Okay, and it stabilized by this point, but it dipped fairly significantly from where it was. Okay, and so what that did was the Russian uh, defense budget. If you do a straight conversion from from rubles to dollars, right what you, what it ends up looking like is that Russia is spending almost nothing on its military especially compared to say China or compared to the United States if you're you know if you're using a dollar comparison right uh, but but the problem with that comparison is that they don't use the dollar for anything regarding defense they produce most of their own needs locally right. using the ruble yeah. and so it's not as as instructive to use the dollar value of the budget even if that's you know being used for comparative purposes right uh, because the real value of the of the Russian budget is a lot lot higher than what that what that number implies
0: right um you know one one thing I did want to bring up was Ukraine Mm -hmm. um Ukraine's a a big powerhouse in the region other than than Russia um (laughs) at least in my mind when I when I've seen Ukraine uh work with other um European powers the, the Yugoslavian powers some of the um the former Soviet bloc powers. Um, they are the powerhouse there. Like I feel like that's the nation that they that they look up to in the region as almost like the, the big brother, the person that has the experience.
1: Well I think definitely the experience yeah. that's been in mean, the last the last again the last 6 years because most of those western sanctions came into effect immediately after the crisis in Ukraine took off right. with the annexation of Crimea and with the insurgency that broke out in the in the east right. yeah that's been a big uh, Sho- that was a big shock for the Ukrainian military, which yeah. was not in a state to fight anything of that sort right prior to that they weren't spending a whole lot on defense a lot of their systems were outdated or not even operable yeah. and a, a lot of it was in storage and they had to bring that out. They had to repair a lot of equipment and they had to get it battle ready because most of the fights that they've been taking i mean the you know the Ukrainian government has been pretty Pretty adamant that they're fighting regular Russian forces, right. and a lot of the battles that they're doing are what you would consider like a you know a conventional warfare versus uh, you know say a counterinsurgency um, type of mission that you might see in the in the Middle East or Africa. Yeah, and so that's given them you know a big jolt. They've increased their defense spending a lot. They're rolling out a bunch of. Uh, you know not necessarily new equipment, but definitely you know, newly overhauled equipment right. that, that they've done is, themselves right right that's you know, that's certainly in comparison to where they were far superior I, you know I think especially if you were to compare them to say Western militaries, they would you know they would not be any anywhere close oh, yeah, in sure. terms of capabilities, yeah. but it's certainly a big improvement from where they were, and I think for a lot of Eastern European nations that are also worried about um, you know about Russia's uh, Russia's designs in the in the region. I you know I think that's very uh, you know, Ukraine is a very good example of you know, you know defiance in that.
0: Right. Okay. So moving on to the Middle East, uh, given the amount of turbulence in the Middle East, are countries responding with a uh, parallel and increased defense uh, spending?
1: So this is one of the more interesting areas. Now the Middle East does spend a lot of. Uh, a lot on defense, obviously they're very flashy about it too.
0: Right.
1: Um, we assess that the Middle East takes up about eight percent of the of the world's total uh, defense spending. It's around one hundred thirty billion u uh, s dollars right. per per year. That's right. across the you know the whole region. And when you look at that as a share of their those same countries, what their economic output is as a share of the world it 's right. a lot um, a lot less as a share or as a percentage yeah so it's you know it 's clear that these countries are spending a heck of a lot on their militaries, but the same thing that was that's affected the Russian budget in some ways is, is the uh, collapse of energy prices has also affected a lot of the Middle Eastern budgets as well makes sense and so you haven 't seen as much Explosive growth in the defense budgets, and even you 've seen some uh, loss to that as Saudi Arabia has actually mostly trimmed its budget under King Salman, which right. is an interesting uh, divide because they 've also under King Salman they launched the operation in yemen they 've had a number of big flashy procurement deals they 're signing a lot with the united states uh, there's the you know the big the big one hundred ten billion dollar uh, deal, which was with the United States, which is you know s- essentially a bunch of memorandums of understanding that they would move forward with this, but that's right. obviously a pretty significant figure. It's very flashy. That, yeah, that they're looking to purchase, but at the same time, for almost every single year uh, that King Salman has been in power, they've cut the budget, and it's dropped from. I, you know, I would say probably about eighty, eighty or so billion dollars down to it's hovering around fifty. It's still sizable. They're still one of the largest in the world, right? Uh, but it definitely doesn't seem to correspond with the, you know, the rising tension that you've seen in the number of different conflicts that are breaking out and you know the the different um uh, countries that they're worried about.
0: Now, do you know are they investing? That money that they're not spending on defense and other like domestic infrastructure, or are they just not spending that at all?
1: That well, so the goal is, especially for Saudi Arabia, they have a this this program called Vision 2030, and it runs they're running the gamut in in everything that they want to do. They want to reform the economy, they want to wean themselves off energy prices, and you see some of these programs. In a few of the other major energy producers as well, the UAE in in particular, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so where these countries are going with this is a lot of that they're they're either trimming their defense budgets or they're not, you know, overly increasing them like you know in in absurd amounts. And they're and yeah, and they're reinvesting that. In term, you know, in terms of their economy, they are also building up their defense industries right. under those programs. But I think for the most part, what they're what they're doing is trimming defense spending as best they can, right? And you know, and turning that into ideally diversifying their economies. Those you know those programs Makes are sense. are very tricky, yeah. but
0: yeah, okay. So um, in, in terms of the Middle East, what are some of the most important trends that will influence Middle Eastern countries' threat perceptions moving forward?
1: Okay, so a big, a big one is state rivalry. So the, 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 the classic example would be Saudi Arabia and Iran. And obviously throughout 2019, we saw plenty of evidence of a lot of tension between the Do two. Do they have tensions? Oh, yeah,
0: between those two countries, oh yeah, okay, I wasn't sure
1: oh yeah, no yeah, so you saw obviously you saw the there was a number of oil tankers that were sabotaged mysteriously throughout the summer it was
0: very mysterious and, yeah very
1: mysterious there was no nobody claimed responsibility for it the u s and Saudi pointed the finger at Iran or on you know obviously denied it, and then you had the the big attack that happened in September on Saudi Arabia's oil facilities, which um Supposedly originated from Iran, or as far as what the United States and, and, right. and Saudi Arabia are, are, are indicating, uh, which which demonstrates that Iran can certainly threaten Saudi Arabia, and their and their rivalry has gotten to you know to a point where Iran might even be comfortable with carrying out direct operations if they don't think it's going to escalate to the point of you know of warfare.
0: Right, like missile attacks.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that that's going to be that has been and that will be a long-standing issue in the region that will drive defense spending, not just in those two countries, but also in neighbors. Right. And you've also seen some of this rivalry uh, rivalry play out in some of these neighbors as well, like in, in, in Iraq, where the United States and Iran for the past few weeks have been basic, have been using, you know, Iraq as kind of a, a battleground to to fight each other. Right. As, but it's not just limited to, to that rivalry. You will also have... Saudi Arabia's rivalry and Egypt's rivalry with uh, Turkey and that uh, Qatar had also aligned with Turkey to some respects and is still a little bit of an outcast among some of its GCC allies and you're seeing that that pop up even beyond what we so for the Middle East we just we limited to to Egypt we don't go into North Africa because we include that with the Africa part Um, but to but to Illustrate my point about the state rivalries. So you've seen Libya become a battleground between uh, Turkey on one end and Egypt and the United Arab Emirates yeah. on, on the other end, and so that I, you know, I would say the big driver is going to be state rivalries, right? and then you have insurgencies which are intertwined with that issue where many of the countries in the middle east are either embroiled in an insurgency right. or there are well, one that's taking part on their territory or the countries are involved in other you know other nations insurgencies so Saudi right. Arabia and the UAE are yeah. involved in Yemen for example mm-hmm. and you have a number of countries that are involved in Iraq and Syria and right. in Libya as just I was I was just saying yeah so those are the big the big two drivers, and they 're intertwined with one another because oftentimes these states are seeing these these insurgents as not just you know random non state actors are seeing these as outgrowths or supported by some of their rivals
0: right um, I, and I, I know one of the big trends as well is uh, Saudi Arabia and UAE at least those two countries are looking to grow their own defense industry themselves and build things in house rather than importing stuff from Foreign countries, the United States, et cetera.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's also been a big a big direction for them. I th- I think it 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 meets two needs for them. So number one, as I was saying, they're working to diversify their economies. Right. And this is a component of an industrial uh, you know approach. This is an that that wouldn't be the whole industrial focus, but that is you know a component of it it's, that that can give part of the twenty thirty
0: plan. Yeah, uh, exactly.
1: That can give give um, high skilled jobs to. Uh, local employees and you know and be, be a co- jobs to yeah, yeah, people exactly from Pakistan. and 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 so right. that could be a component of uh, of that, but also it uh, helps them avoid some of the pressure that they've faced from many of the states that they typically import arms from. Yeah. Uh, Saudi Arabia in particular has run into a lot of problems importing weapons from the European states. Of course, mostly yeah. because of uh, of a German export ban. And Germany didn't export a whole lot of finished products to to Saudi Arabia, but the problem was Germany had involvement in a lot of uh, the joint European programs that Saudi Arabia wants to buy from. Right, and so if if there's German components in that, that gives the German government a, a veto on the on the sale of those, and that could that could can a whole a whole deal. So they ran into that with the Eurofighter Typhoon, for example.
0: Bad time for Germany to do that. Yeah. With the economy going as it is. Yeah, yeah. So
1: so so that's been a big issue and they've also worried about the United States as well. Right. Especially with Saudi because the United States Congress in particular has um on a number of occasions has either moved to block sales has voted after the state department approved one the the Congress has voted you know a number of legislators uh, legislators have mo- moved against it. They never actually succeeded, but they, in some cases, had as many as 40-plus yeah. lawmakers in the Senate, which in a body of 100 people, that's a lot.
0: There's too and much money involved there. Yeah. That'll never happen.
1: And, uh, and, and, and they also tried to block a sale ahead of being approved that right. uh, the State Department last year had to, had to do a, a workaround for which i think for saudi arabia is in the, in the uae too is is pretty concerning because those have been their big uh, you know arms suppliers yeah. they could turn to russia they could turn to china but they're not going to get the same you know the same quality of equipment oh, from for there sure. yeah. and so what they're so so where the defense industry push comes into that is they want to be able to localize as much as they can and it's never going to be a fully self-sufficient Defense industry, but I don't think right. they're under that delusion that it can be. Yeah. But I think they want to be able to uh, meet very particular needs, such as for munitions that could get cut off from them in the in the future.
0: Munitions, I know UAVs. They're trying to build up their uh, the armored vehicle uh, right. forces as well.
1: Right, right, and these are the various types of equipment that Western suppliers have typically sold them, but might not do so in the future. If they're concerned about you know, various issues, Ger- right. Germany's ban came into uh, came into effect because of the assassination of that of that journalist in uh, the Saudi consulate in Turkey. Uh, but Germany's kept the ban in force over the conflict in Yemen, which demonstrates right. how one issue can you know, can generate one of these bans, and then a longer term issue can can keep them sustained over time. And right. that for Saudi Arabia, they're going to have not a whole lot of idea of when a western country might decide that it wants to cut off these sales and yeah. it might not have a very clear idea of what it needs to do to get that ban lifted yeah and so they're they're looking at that as something that they can they can avoid to some Definitely. extent, to some extent, with building up the yeah, they, defense they industry, try. they can try. Yeah, try maybe, <laughs> maybe they, maybe it's, they will. <laughs> those the, the, those embargoes will hurt if they, oh, yeah. you know, especially if they if they yeah. get an embargo from the United States, from UK, from France. Those will hurt. But it
0: hurts Europe too. I mean, the the economy, as everybody's waiting for, yeah. and has already started occurring almost for what a year now. Is is the world economy is taking <laughs> a, a little a little bit of a a dive here? And um, what a what a bad time to an embargo on another country, right? Um,
1: yeah, well, I, I don't know how, how how much defense sales society will factor into that, but it certainly doesn't help.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right, so moving on to, uh, to Africa, the big player, the big world stage player here, Africa. Um, how, how does Africa factor into the global defense market?
1: Okay, so Africa noticeably in our listing of the top 20 defense spenders in right. the world there's no African country on that list. Really? Yeah. And their collective defense spending in in, in Africa is about 2% of the world's uh, right. overall spending. For the entire for, continent. For the entire continent. Wow. Yep. And w- the, in previous editions, we had Algeria in one of the... Uh, last spots on the top 20 right. but what they've encountered uh, same thing as a lot of other countries that we've been talking about is most of that is based on energy exports yeah. and so as energy prices tanked it was not as feasible to uh, keep, doing, keep doing substantial growth in the, in the defense budget so it's more stagnated right. and so the value in, in terms of the dollar has, has fallen Mm-hmm. And that's gotten them out of the top twenty, and the and then you know besides them, you don't have anybody anybody else in the continent that's even close. Some of your bigger defense spenders are: you have Nigeria, you have South Africa, right? Sudan was up there for a while, but uh, that's they've their their budget has definitely collapsed. Some of the same reasons over oil exports, right. and then also uh, their their former president was a notoriously high defense spender very much to the detriment of his country's development right. and that may or may not change moving forward now that now that um that leader that being uh, omar al-bashir now that he's out of power right
0: so we were talking about this before although africa right now is not a huge defense spender and really not a significant spender for defense um By 2050, we're we're looking at Africa having one-third of the world's population or so. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nigeria is supposed to be around the the fourth biggest country in the world in terms of population. They have an abundance of natural resources. Any of the big powers you can think of right now, China, the United States, India, Russia, France, UK, Germany, all vying for those natural resources, all vying for their own share of power in Africa. Um, You you know, I, I wonder... As Africa grows, if the economy, is, is the economy going to grow in parallel with this population growth and, and with the abundance of natural resources they have there, um, where they will be multiple countries in Africa and the continent as a whole will be a much bigger defense spender than it is right now?
1: So I I think the country to definitely watch with that would be Nigeria? Nigeria. Uh, especially i i 've seen some of those population growth predictions that they 're theoretically supposed to you know see some very substantial growth especially right. compared to a lot of the rest of the world a lot of some of the western countries that have seen their their growth rates declining but obviously what what we would need to see with Nigeria is a pretty significant economic development right and that may or may not come hand in hand with population growth right but at at present nigeria is one of the growing bigger defense spenders in africa again this is a low comparison so it's only a few a few billion a uh, usd a year right but they are one of the uh, faster growing ones and they are slowly but surely working on Industrialization in their economy. I mean, we've even seen it a little bit with a defense industry. They do. Right. They do um, produce some armored vehicles uh, locally that they've been using in in insurgency or counterinsurgency operations against right. uh, against Boko Haram, for example. Yeah. And so they they have they have potential. The big the big question is whether they're going to be able to to realize it over the you know over the coming decades. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if any of them, especially in Nigeria, but I don't know if any of them will make it to, you know, to say the point where they're in the, you know, the top five or the top ten in defense, right? In the defense spending category, I do think they have significant potential to grow and significant potential to grow as, uh, def- as as uh export markets for a lot of countries that right. are looking to sell. I know Russia, for example, has turned to Africa for a growing as as a growing market. One I know, of, they
0: make a lot of sales in Africa. Yeah. It seems to and be one of their, are, their larger clientele. Yeah,
1: and these are you know in many cases these aren't like massive deals. We're not looking at humongous overhaul, you know, deals, Yeah, they're deals. Just kind of but smaller they're, smaller yeah, deals but for around like
0: three helicopters. Here, yeah, exactly. Helicopters that's there. and
1: actually I'm I'm you know I'm glad you raised helicopters because that's been for Russian helicopters. Africa is one of their better export markets. It is, yeah. Yeah, next to next to Asia. Africa's often th- often the next big yeah. And so that, I mean, that demonstrates that there's, there's potential there, there's growing potential, and there's likely to be a lot of long-term issues that will influence defense spending. But again, you're, you're working from a low base. A lot of these countries, right. as I said, there's, there's Algeria, there's South Africa, there's Nigeria yeah. that have large budgets. But for the most part, most of the rest of them only spend a few hundred dollars or a few hundred million dollars on defense each year. Now is that because they
0: don't have enough money, they don't have the budget, or is it because they don't have the need to?
1: I, I would say for the most part they don't have they don't have the capacity to spend okay. more right. as far as where their uh, level of uh, economic output is at. Right. Some of, And some of them don't have as much of a need for, you know, for example, many of these countries, especially as a lot of these insurgencies have taken hold in areas um, in North Africa and West Africa and right. East Africa, few of these countries are looking at scenarios where they might actually be embroiled in a country to country conventional uh, war. Right. Algeria and Morocco is a pretty classic example of a rivalry that's like that, where right. they they have their own uh, insurgency issues that they're dealing with, but they're also a little bit concerned about you know, what could you know, what could end up in a direct conflict between the two. Right. And so, a lot of their procurement, you know, noticeably, one will buy, say, a new fighter jet; the other will follow. And one will buy a new tank; the other will follow. Okay. And but you don't have a whole lot of other scenarios like that throughout Africa. Right. You do have. Egypt and Ethiopia would be you know another example over Ethiopia's dam project.
0: Yeah, that whole Nile thing. Yeah. But
1: but otherwise for the most part what you're seeing are, are are insurgency operations and so they don't have as much of a you know of a much as much of a need to have a military that's ready for conventional warfare per se, and so you can run that on a smaller budget. You can run the counterinsurgency okay, offer, so it's instance, a little on bit a smaller of budget,
0: and a little bit, oh, a lot, yeah. to do with budget and yeah and, need. yeah, and
1: yeah, and one thing obviously, so Africa has a has a massive coastline. Right. But if you look at it, a lot of the coastline that individual countries have, barring, right. you know, there are exceptions. like Again, with Morocco with Algeria, yeah. uh, with, with, with Libya. The Libya is in a state of chaos. And with South Africa, they have large yeah. coastlines. But for the most part, a lot of the other uh, coastline in, in Africa, each country will have very little amounts. And so they don't have a big need for for large navies. Right. They'll Their main concern is piracy. So they'll need small patrol boats. Right but that's generally sufficient and none of these countries are are needing the sort of things let's like say say like amphibious assault vessels right. or or anything like that they're not most of them are not engaged in expeditionary activity.
0: Yeah, so a very limited market in terms of what they need.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. It's at this stage it's mostly they need Th- uh, equipment that allows them to rapidly respond to to to, you know, to militants, and they also need to be able to conduct surveillance. So they need armored vehicles, s- right. certainly. Uh, they need drones, right? And but they don't have as much need for, say, fighter jets with air to air capability. Right. Little need for for tanks, for example. And the geography is not exactly friendly for tanks either. Yeah, yeah. And you don't see as much a procurement of things like, say, say missile systems,
0: right? Okay. Awesome. Well, Derek, thank you. Thank you. All right. Moving on. Thank you for joining us at Forecast Roundtable. Join us next time for part two of the 2020 Global Defense Spending Annual Snapshot as we discuss North America with our senior analyst, Sean McDougall.